Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is calling for the court to overturn the landmark 1964 New York Times v. Sullivan ruling, which protects news organizations from most libel suits when they write about public figures. Joining me is one of the country's leading First Amendment scholars, Jeffrey Stone, professor at the University of Chicago Law School. His new book is The Free Speech Century, a collection of essays on First Amendment jurisprudence. Jeff, Thomas expressed this opinion with a Supreme Court order that refused to revive a defamation lawsuit against Bill Cosby, an order he agreed to. What was his reasoning? Well, Thomas's reasoning was basically a strict originalist approach. Um, He essentially said that uh, it was time, in his view, for the court to reconsider uh, the 1964 decision in New York Times and Sullivan. Um, because, as he laid it out, at the time the First Amendment was adopted, um, individuals could sue for defamation if someone else had made a statement that defamed their reputation, um, and that they could recover as long as the person who made the statement could not prove the statement to be true. That had been the common law in England, it was the common law in the United States, and it was the law in most states until 1964 uh, in the Supreme Court decision in Sullivan. And so Thomas's argument uh, was that being a strict con- originalist, uh, that we should go back to what the framers themselves would have understood the First Amendment to mean when it was adopted, and his argument is that they would not have understood the First Amendment to have interfered with the traditional common law of libel. The original meaning of the First Amendment is the same as it has been in the nearly three decades that Thomas has been on the court. So what might be his purpose in suggesting this now? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, one possibility that some people have raised is that uh, because President Trump has, uh, in, in a variety of ways, condemned the media and even called about what he said, opening up libel laws, Uh, that um, Thomas is in some way responding to Trump's uh, suggestion that the court should uh, reconsider New York Times and Sullivan. Um, The other possibility is that now that we have a court with five fiercely conservative justices on it, um, Thomas thinks it's possible that they would be willing to go back and and reexamine a whole lot of decisions from the past that are inconsistent with what he believes to be the proper method of constitutional interpretation. Is that likely? Have any of the new justices or you know the conservative justices expressed a desire or an inclination to revisit Times v. Sullivan? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. I think that um, in some of the confirmation hearings, for example, I think Gorsuch was asked about that and indicated that he followed precedent. And most of the justices who have taken uh, even a strong originalist view of constitutional interpretation, a view that I think is nonsense, to be clear, um, have also conceded that precedent is precedent and that uh, although they might be inclined to a, a apply an originalist view to cases that have not previously been issues that have not previously been resolved, they would still tend to follow the precedents even if they disagreed with them. In your book, there are several articles that explain the First Amendment and how it's sort of different from other amendments and that its interpretation began later on. It's really a modern amendment, you might say. 
Well, um, the, the first time that the Supreme Court of the United States directly addressed the meaning of the First Amendment was not until 1919. Um, and the reason for that was in part uh, that uh, the First Amendment was generally understood until later to apply only to the federal government. And most laws that regulate speech are laws of states and of cities. And therefore, most First Amendment issues did not um, uh, most free speech issues did not implicate the First Amendment until that time. Uh, so really, the, the, the Supreme Court first began looking at the meaning of the First Amendment um, 100 years ago. Um, and uh, it was not until 1964 that the court looked at the issue of libel. And in fairness, as Thomas says, uh, it is the case that when the First Amendment was adopted, um, that it was understood that defamation was actionable uh, as long as the plaintiff could prove that the defendant had made a statement that defamed their reputation, and the defendant therefore then had the burden of proving uh, truthfulness. And if they could not prove truthfulness, they were liable. What New York Times and Sullivan did is, as with so many other constitutional provisions, um, the court realized over time that um, it was necessary to give a more robust interpretation and understanding of, of constitutional provisions that might have existed 150 years before. Um, and in particular, New York Times and Sullivan came about because um, southern states, Alabama in particular in this case, uh, were going after uh, northern newspapers and media who were covering the civil rights movement um, and uh, suing them for libel for statements that were just inadvertently, trivially false. And then Alabama juries were giving huge damage awards. And the idea was to try to deter any newspapers in the country from reporting what was actually going on in the South. And Thomas seemed to ignore that when he said the states are fully able to handle these kinds of claims. Explain the importance of the New York Times v. Sullivan decision today and whether you see any areas where it might be encroached upon. Well, I mean, Sullivan has, has come to be regarded uh, by almost everyone who thinks about constitutional law, is one of the great decisions of the Supreme Court. Um, what it did was to eliminate the potential uh, of uh, government, states, cities, whatever, um, to use their libel laws uh, to prevent uh, individuals and newspapers and magazines and individual citizens from criticizing government action. And, and, and public officials. So if we had the law of libel as it existed, as Thomas would like to reestablish it, for example, then it would be possible, just to give an illustration, for Donald Trump uh, to sue um, the New York Times uh, uh, for a statement that was inadvertently inaccurate about what Donald Trump had for lunch. Uh, and a sympathetic jury could find that was defamatory and could award him a uh, million dollars in damages. And that's crazy, but that's exactly what was happening when New York Times and Sullivan was decided. Uh, so uh, Sullivan is a fundamental decision that has protected freedom of the press, freedom of speech in this country, and that has enabled a democracy to flourish. Thank you so much for being on the show. That's Jeffrey Stone, a professor at the University of Chicago Law School. His new book is The Free Speech Century. It's a collection of essays. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.